Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left wing perspective. Saturday, April 6, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And um, yeah, uh, just a little housekeeping note. I have been <laughs> really negligent in forgetting to post the actual podcast until like three or four days after we podcast, which is really lame on my part. Gotta stop that. I gotta stop that. I'm really sorry <laughs> about that. So it's now up to Rachel to remind me tomorrow to post it uh-huh. or later tonight. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, it, I, I have put that responsibility on Rachel no. now. No. But. Uh, for my negligence <laughs> in posting the podcast, and now, now I can run for political office as a white dude. Yes. Uh, on that topic, can we get right into Joe Biden? Sure. Because, man, oh man, is he shitting the bed, and the only people that seem to realize it are women. Yes. Uh, because the men who are covering it are like, ah, oh, that's a good apology. He's addressed it. I think it's fine now. And so like he raped anybody. <laughs> yes, and I he keep had good intentions. I keep He's seeing that nice or, or, or comparing it to Trump, saying like, look, compared to Trump, like there's no. If we can have a pussy grabber in the office. Yeah. We can touch someone's shoulder. Yeah, and and you're missing the point completely. And you're like, ah, man, in the era of, of Me Too and all the consciousness and the wokeness, it's like people still. And it's not only men. I, I have seen, to be fair, I've seen female pundits and female political. Uh, types and experts weigh in on this and, 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 and say, yeah, well, self-called experts and say kind of some of the same things. It's usually men. Right. But, but what the conversation you and I had was this is the key part that is so difficult for men to understand. And I think if we can get past this part, then we can understand there, there can be a greater understanding of why this is problematic. And okay. that is... Your intentions in a situation do not matter. Yes, I keep seeing that again and again and again too. Like so, if you, like you and I had this conversation, and you said like that is the hardest part I think for men is like I right. was not trying to make her uncomfortable. I didn't intend to make her uncomfortable. That's just how I am. I you know I was just trying to be affectionate. I didn't mean to do that. You know, but uh, that is yeah. so far beyond the point. And I can tell you that is a gut reaction every time. Like you know, you and I. <laughs> Fingers crossed, haven't fought much, but you know, we do occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, no knockdown drag outs, but we get in little spats here and there. Sure. And every time that happens and you're upset about something I have, have said or done, um, which is not often, again, no. but I will, that immediate like knee jerk reaction is that I didn't, you know, I didn't mean that. That wasn't my intention. Right. And that's fine. To establish that, to right. know I wasn't, I wasn't trying. being cruel intentionally. Right. And mm-hmm. that's good. But then once that's established, then it's time to shut up and listen. Because whatever your intent was, what you ended up doing was made the other person feel uncomfortable. And it, this happens in all walks of life. Yes. This is the common refrain that you hear from men who try to give a woman a compliment quote. <laughs> No, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it as a compliment. It's like, it doesn't actually matter how you meant it. It's how I perceive it that matters. Yeah. Or you can you can relate this to all kinds of things, not just women and men, right? No, I didn't mean that to be racist. I, it, it's not racist because I didn't mean it that way. And it's like, you don't get to tell a black person 
that what you just said isn't racist because you didn't intend for it to be. It's right, the same thing right. with women. You don't get to tell me that what you said was a compliment if I didn't perceive it as one. You don't and, get to and, be like, yeah. hey, baby, nice tits. And if I get mad at you, you have to be like, no, you can't be mad because my intentions were to give you a compliment. Well, I didn't perceive it as a compliment, right? It's yeah. not a compliment to me, and I'm the one that gets to decide. Now, the, the reason that we're bringing this up is that Joe Biden has... At the very least, he hasn't ignored this. He has been trying to address it, but he's just all over the place with it. And one of the main things he keeps saying is, oh, it's fine because I know my intentions were, you know, pure or right. not not pervy or whatever. I was trying to be affectionate. Back in my day, that's all I was trying to do. I was trying to show them that I supported them. I was trying to show them that I liked them, that I supported them, that I was in their corner. Yeah, and what and what women are hearing and what I'm hearing, not even as a woman, is therefore, oh, it's too bad they they were upset by that, but here was what my intentions were, so it's okay. Yes. <laughs> and That's what he's saying. It's that's not what, what you're he's hearing. saying. That's what he's actually saying yeah. is because my intentions were good, Therefore, you are not allowed to be upset, and it wasn't wrong. But you know what? He's he's also trying to play both sides because he will also say, "Okay, I'm I'm listening, and I'm learning, and I'm ready to adapt to the new world." But I didn't do anything wrong. So and that's the other thing that's so frustrating yes, for women is yes. this new world. Okay, we don't live in a new world. There aren't new standards. There aren't different standards. It's that women feel are, empowered for the yes. first time to say, "Fucking stop touching me, Joe." <laughs> Yes. Stop it. Yes. We never liked it. We never wanted you to do it. It was never an okay thing. It's just we didn't want to get fucking fired. I would be called that crazy, angry, shrill woman who's always yelling about men. Right. Right? So we just kept our fucking mouths shut and cringed and told our girlfriends about it and had a glass of wine and tried not to think about it anymore. Exactly. Exactly. And But that doesn't mean that back then we used to really like it and now we don't. <laughs> yeah. It's not, that's not what it is. It's like... The same thing when we talk about Black Lives Matter. It's not that there are more police shootings and brutality. No. It's that we are hearing about them more. Yes. And we're seeing them more because of cell phone videos. Yes. It's the same. There's not more of it and it's not changed. It's just that we are sick of it. We're not doing this anymore. And, you know, another and some of the Biden defenders out there, you know, and, and again, we get into this thing. We've talked about this again and again. You have the 25 women who worked for Joe Biden with the letter of support saying he was never improper to me or any affection was welcome. And th that's fine. And I'm not asking you to have a different life experience than you have. Exactly. If you have always had a great time with Joe Biden and when he touches your shoulders, you feel like that's really great. That's great. I'm really happy for you that that is the relationship that you have established with Joe Biden. But why would you assume that that must then be the same for everybody else? Right. That's ridiculous. And he's never touched me inappropriately. Again, we'll go back to the same thing we always say. If you didn't murder everybody, then you couldn't possibly have murdered anybody. Right? <laughs> he didn't do it to me, therefore yeah, he's I'm never done it. I, and then exactly. Megan McCain coming out. Well, he's just the most honorable, nicest man. I, I, I think that's completely probably tune her out. She's just true that a he's nightmare. a nice guy and he has good We know that. We know people who know him, you know, personally. Yes. And and, and he and, seems like a really nice guy with good intentions. Yeah, genuinely He's not a bad guy. I think ultimately his heart is in the right place for the most part. Yep. But that doesn't excuse this behavior. Correct. It, it and, just doesn't. And, you know, if he had come out and said, holy shit. Yeah. Like, I, I, wow. The world is different. 
And I am looking back on some of the ways that I've treated women and some of the things that I've done and listening to them like I have a reckoning like I you're right and I'm sorry and I did not realize and now that you've told me and that I've been looking at all of these stories of these women and how women are treated in the workplace and treated by mentors and treated on the fucking streets treated in their homes looking at some of the ways that I have touched women I can absolutely see how that would make them uncomfortable and I'm sorry I didn't see it before now I'm sorry that you didn't feel comfortable telling me before now I'm sorry, uh, unequivocally. I just, I. And, and you know what? If he did that, I think most women would believe him yes. and we would be able to move on. Yeah, because I think that's true. But the, the frustrating but he part can't is. say, he can't take. He can't go all the way. He He's, can't take ownership. Every of time it. I see him talk about this, he starts to go there, right? Yeah. He, he, he goes down that path and, like, okay, he's going to go. And then he backs off and says, well, my intentions were fine and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's I like, didn't, I don't, I don't regret everything I'm, anything I've ever done. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, first of all, who says that? Trump. I mean, look, I'm not comparing the guy to Trump, but if you're asking who says that and who acts that way, Trump and other old entitled white men. What the fuck? I regret a thing I've done most days. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's being human. And I don't know what Biden's doing here. And, And like, I like to think he'll eventually get there. Because I think he is an um, uh, you know an empathetic type of guy, uh, but it I depends think, on who he surrounds himself. I with. think he will eventually get there, and my desperate and sincerest hope is he doesn't do it on the campaign trail. Yeah, he's he's got to do he it way before. He needs to be done. He needs to let his legacy be Uncle Joe, best bud to Barack Obama, beloved vice president with the memes. But I think, and th- that's it. But I think everything then, we saw this week tells us no, no he's doing, he's exactly. going to run. So I have two more things to say. One is then this fucking, these two speeches, right? Yeah. He's doing this basically campaign stops. And even though he's not running. And he goes before this group of largely white men. The union thing. The union thing. First speech he's given since the accusations of seven women have come out that were in, uh, that they feel that his behavior toward them was inappropriate. And he makes a fucking joke. Two jokes about it. Oh, yeah. well, I had permission to hug Lonnie. And, like, I don't remember what the other one was. But he made two jokes during the speech about <laughs> the scandal before addressing it. Other than the fucking, like, whatever. Think Twitter of how, video. Think of how patronizing that is. Yeah. If you were one of these women who was like, hey, Joe was all up in my business and it made me feel really gross and I feel like I have to talk about it. He's basically saying, haha, yeah, fuck you. I, I made a little Twitter video to be like, ah, I didn't know. And now I'm going to make a joke in front of a bunch of white dudes to great laughter. They thought it was quite funny. God. And to me, okay, so that wipes away any credibility that your apology had. It's not funny. It's not funny to them. It's not funny to me. It shouldn't be funny to you. And if you were sincerely sorry that you made women uncomfortable, you would not make a joke about it. Under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. Particularly not two days later. That's the problem. I, you know, I I hope that Biden ultimately decides, fuck it, it's not worth it. But I think he's running. I, I think he's just he's waiting for whatever the right moment is for whatever reason, uh, or waiting for this stuff to die down. Well, I think that's the thing so. That so I was his announcement say. isn't overshadowed. That there's going to be so many more. And that's the thing. Well, we had like what? Like seven new ones this week? Seven this week so far. Now, seven s- some of them, some people say are sketchy or questionable, but it Who doesn't cares? matter. I, all we need is one legitimate one. Does anyone surprised? Is anyone surprised that women are like Joe Biden's kind of creepy? There's video evidence of him being creepy yeah. all over the place that makes women cringe everywhere. 
And we try not to be each other's, you know, sort of saviors. If, if I don't know what her relationship is to him. If that makes me uncomfortable watching it on a national stage. It makes me uncomfortable watching it. I don't know what it. their relationship is, it so makes, I'm not going to judge. It makes me uncomfortable When she comes it. out and says, that's uncomfortable, I'm like, yep, no, I know, I, I saw it. I, that <laughs> absolutely was horrifying. Yes, okay. So well, if you weren't not, okay with it, then I'm not, not okay with it. Not just have you, did you see that? You've lived it. Yes. Many times. Yes. And and me very very few times, but enough times to be able to understand what you, where you're coming from. Right. Not nearly as much, obviously. But again, and and again, this is the point. Like everything isn't black and white. I, I I don't think, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't think when Joe Biden does this, he's getting off. No, I don't think so either. I I don't think he's 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 really being a perv and. And getting off. No, I don't think so. I don't. I believe that his intentions are exactly what he says they are. Yeah, but there's more work to be done there, which yeah. is it doesn't fucking matter. And his like little line about like, I'm going to have to start relearning personal space is like, motherfucker, you should have learned this long ago. Yeah, but again, he was a, he was a white man in a position <laughs> of power and no one ever called him on it ever for decades and decades and decades and decades that we know of. And it's it, that we know of. And it seeped into everything he did well that, his, that's the, the thing mythology of uh, Joe Biden. imagine if you were a staffer for biden in the in the 90s right when sexual harassment was starting to become a thing i don't think joe ever went all the way to 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 sexually harass any i mean we he might have but but look let's say you were a young staffer who worked for biden and and the you know, all of a sudden, it was the the revolution of the reporting of sexual harassment and the realizing of what sexual well, harassment is. Well, and actually, the codifying of it into law. Yes, because that exactly. that happened in the like late eighties. And, and let's say that Joe Biden did what Joe Biden does. He was a little touchy feely. He would touch your shoulders, your back, and it made you kind of feel uncomfortable. But but per it, the law, you have to tell him, "Hey, that makes me really uncomfortable. Please stop." But well, plus and more than that, tell Joe Biden he, he that. never went up to you and asked you to, you know, to go have a drink with him, and he never made a comment about your body, and he never like crossed the obvious line, right? Mm -hmm. So you probably thought, "I don't really like when he, you know, comes up on me and invades my personal space and nuzzles right. I me." I try to put myself but between a desk and him when right. he's in the room because. But just... he's never like flat out said he wants to do me or that my tits look nice. Right. So it's probably. So uh... I don't think it is sexual harassment in the workplace. Right. Because it's not by the law. That does not mean that it's, it's not inappropriate. inappropriate. Right. And no one is accusing him of a crime. No one is saying that he should go to jail. But that, yeah, that's what keeps coming up, right? We have these Biden apologists, and it's usually older white women and men. Yes. Um, not always, but all, I, I've noticed on Twitter that anytime I'm getting into a Biden thing and I'm getting nasty replies, it's, yeah. you know, it's. 60 year old lady in a pink pussy hat like and and i hate to generalize but that's what i'm seeing yeah and then old white men yeah who are just like this is the problem with the democratic party <laughs> right this is what is wrong and, and they always go to how in the age of trump how can you say that biden is this or that it's like dude that is that is irrelevant it's irrelevant <clears throat> i a um i hold my party and it's potential nominees for president to a much higher standard uh, than the republican party does. Ob obviously B, um, I think that this is part of the conversation, and, and I've gotten some pushback about this, that that when we're talking about women who've been raped or assaulted, bringing up sexual harassment even, or mm -hmm. things like this, um, muddy it or in some way dilute the Me Too movement. And I think that's absolutely wrong. I think for women who have ex been women, really, um, it's... 
it's the microaggressions sometimes and 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 the just like daily slog that takes such a toll that is part of this conversation mm-hmm. and it's stuff like I'm sitting on the back porch last night and this guy and his buddy walk by and they've obviously been drinking and I'm like removed from the street and he's like hey hey how are you how's your night right and I'm like I'm in the middle of something not trying to engage this guy in conversation and I say oh thanks good and he stops in front of me and he's like oh well thanks for asking my night's going really well too god and it's like what the fuck man I don't owe you a conversation why 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 if you wanted to know how my night was, I answered your question. Get the fuck away from me. I'm not in a bar. I'm not on a dating app. I'm sitting on my private property, minding my own business, mm-hmm. you know? And like, does that guy need to go to jail? No. No. Is that guy probably really problematic toward women? Yeah. Well, you know he is because he just was. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and again, this is the thing. This is the different world we live in, Right. If I'm out walking the dogs or sitting on the front porch, never happens to me. Somebody might walk by and say hello and right. keep walking, and right. that's that's it. Or, or like a or, nod or a smile or, or a hi. Oca- occasionally, we have some <clears throat> mentally ill people. Occasionally, a schizophrenic person will say something weird to me or yell at me, but that's not that's nothing to a gender. No. Um, so, but yeah, your world is different. Almost every time you go and sit out there, maybe not every time, but fifty yeah. percent of the time you say. I at would least. say. I would say. Or like, it doesn't even have to be aimed at me. Right, like right before this, I just hear this guy walking by on his phone, and he's just calling whoever is on the other end of this phone, you fucking cunt, and animals don't behave that way. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> and then like right after that, this dude walks by, so I was like, this is not a good night for women, apparently, on my street. No. Um, <clears throat> but what I'm saying is, that guy should not go to jail. And if I tell that story to a lot of people, they're going to be like, well, he was just trying to be friendly. Why didn't you ask him how his day was? Right? <laughs> You're so sensitive. Yeah. He was just trying to be friendly. And it's like, no, no. No, I don't owe him a conversation. Yeah. I didn't start one. I wasn't in a weird social setting where it was sort of like socially implied that that would be a necessary politeness. And even if I was, I don't owe you politeness either. I don't know you. Yeah. But that that line people like to draw it and then I'm on the other side of it and I'm ruining me too and taking it too far and unless that guy rapes me why am I complaining right right and that they put Joe Biden over there with that guy right mm-hmm. he didn't really do anything wrong and it's like you were you're not her she's saying he did that's well it, it's it's beyond that it's she is saying that this behavior, which was totally unnecessary, by the way, yeah. if Joe Biden is coming to do a fundraiser or he's coming to help with a political campaign or he's meeting an underling, no physical contact is necessary. Shake of the hand. Maybe? Shake of the hand. So if Joe Biden is doing this thing that is completely unnecessary to the task at hand uh, or even for camaraderie. And it's making the other person uncomfortable. They've never met before this moment, by the way. Yeah. They are not old friends. They've never met. Yeah. She's just an up-and-coming political person, and he's trying to help her win. Yeah. Which, doesn't that feel sort of like if you're in that situation, and he's the vice president... What are you supposed to do, right? You're like, what? What am I going to say? Don't touch me weird? Like, he's (laughs) going to help me win, right? Yeah. You can't say anything. Right. So, and you know what else is driving me crazy, especially the last couple days? Is now the, the Beltway media is seeing fit to try to get opinions on whether Biden is out of line or not 
by asking other white dudes. Oh, good. Old white dudes. And, good. and of that's all a, people, you know who they asked the other day? Mark Halperin. <laughs> I, you laugh. You laugh because it's ridiculous. I'm not making it up. They, uh, it was Michael Smirconish, who's an idiot. I don't know who that is. He's, he's a jackass pundit. And he, he's been on MSNBC and CNN. I think he was on Fox. And he, um, he decided for some reason, I guess Mark Halpern, now that he, after his two years of um, uh, of being exiled, because remember, he, he would, I think he jerked off in front of his female underlings or something. I, I, I confuse all these guys, honestly, between Matt Lauer and Charlie Rose. Something so gross, and, I can't remember, but yes, like, something totally gross. to the level of probably going to jail, but probably maybe could. Close. I don't remember. But, but it was bad. Yeah, so he was exiled for two years, and now he's trying to do his comeback tour. I think he wrote a book, you know, oh, like God. Poor Me, the White Guy, or oh, whatever it's called. Oh, he was never even good anyway. No, he was garbage. He, he worked for the Clintons at one point, and then he was absolute garbage, and he's in love with Marco Rubio, and he's he hates flying next to a dog on a plane. He's just a piece of shit. <laughs> so, he's the dog guy? He's the dog guy, yeah. <laughs> They're making me sit next to a dog! The great Mark Halperin! And so... They they're like, what do you what do you th- oh, what do you think of Joe Biden? Oh well, you know it's not that big a deal. It's like, why are you asking him of all people? Why are you asking any man right. to begin with? Right. And, and and like, but now they've been doing that lately. That you're getting all these people chime in. A lot of old white guys chime in. Well, like, they're going too far. They shouldn't, you know, be too hard on Joe Biden. And he's weathering this just fine. And it's like. Look, I don't Man. need to hear from any men basically about this. Um, I, I'm happy to have a conversation with women who disagree with me about this um, because I think that there are nuances that we can discuss as to whether or not what what is, what isn't, and that's a conversation that we can have. But <clears throat> when 90% of the conversation is happening with men um, who fit the very same um, sort of demographics as the men that are being accused, like I don't know how that gives... I don't need to hear from them. Well, this is a lot of what I'm hearing too. And and I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but I think it's important because I think he's going to get in the race soon. And, and he is going to be than anybody else right one now. of the front runners. Um, is, I, I get this a lot. It's like, well, look, I don't care about any of this. We need to beat Trump. Granted. And looking ahead, if Biden were the nominee, obviously we would push as hard as we can for him to be the president. But they say that as if, there's nobody else running. Right. Or like the older people running are like Dennis Kucinich and, and you know, a ham sandwich. Like we have some really great candidates. Yes. We don't need Joe Biden. Joe no. Biden thinks we need Joe Biden. Right. And some of his followers who they haven't heard of these other people or they're scared of being called socialist or, you know, they're, they're scared of a, of a woman of color being on the ballot and the white people won't come out and vote for them. Like mm-hmm. they're scared. And I sort of get that, but Dude, you, you better start doing your research on some of these other people. And and like this is this links into the the Pete Buttigieg mania of the past couple but weeks, which I'm going to get, get into. To that, I want to yeah. point out something that has nothing to do with the sexual stuff, <clears throat> which is Joe Biden is not a good candidate for this year. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Beyond all no. of this, imagine if he completely recovers and all the women sing "Kumbaya" because he really does understand. Finally, right? Um, he also came out and. Was gave this little on the street, off the cuff speech about how um, he never said that he was progressive. Um, yeah, he doesn't think the party has progressed at all. He thinks that the party is exactly where it was always. Um, he considers himself a liberal, not a progressive, and he is an Obama Biden Democrat. 
And it's good that Great. there's new blood, but that our party really needs to focus on what its base has always been, which is working class people and on um, the middle class. And that um, he just thinks that this is a false media narrative about where the Democratic Party is. Yeah. And it, I'm like, oh, good. Let's nominate him for the fucking <laughs> candidacy and see how many people don't goddamn vote. Look, let me let me let me remind people. People don't remember this, but Joe Biden has run for president a bunch of times. Uh-huh. Uh, before he was Obama's running mate, he ran in 2000, 2008. Yeah, I think he was briefly in the ring in 2004, maybe. Uh, I think the only that, two times in, were 88 and 2008, but he lost both of those times. No, I think other times he at least put his hat in the ring. But people don't remember. I've seen him in debates. Joe Biden was never a good presidential candidate. No. He would put his foot in his mouth. He would say stupid shit. He would come off as abrasive and he just... And, and he never polled well. Now he's polling well because of the name recognition and because he was Obama's VP for eight years. And he was a good VP because yeah. he was brash and abrasive and he was going after Trump, who was those things too. And he made a good VP candidate yes. for that. But he's yeah. not a good presidential candidate. He doesn't And do people well. say, well, like, well, in the era of Trump, does not matter? And I'm like, for Democrats, it does. I'm sorry. It is not symmetrical and it is not fair. He will be judged on it, any any Democratic nominee is going to be judged to a completely different standard as a Republican nominee going forward, and certainly Donald Trump. It will matter for the Democratic nominee what your taxes look like and that you have to release them. It will matter how you treat women. It will matter what your record is on all these other things. It doesn't matter if you're Trump and a Republican, and that is the world we live in. It is absolutely not fair. It is asinine. It is completely asymmetrical, but that is the world we live in. But it I don't want to live matter. in a world where my party doesn't care about those things. Exactly. That's and the, the that's other, other side of the coin. And the party can choose not to care about those things. That's fine. But it's not the party that I want to be in. It's not just the party. It's the voting public and the media and everybody else. Republicans get graded on a curve. I don't know why. They get graded on a curve when it comes to things like the deficit. They get graded on a curve when it comes to war. They get graded on a curve Taxes. when it comes to racism. Uh, Democrats get held to the highest of all standards. And part of that is that we do hold ourselves to very high standards. But I don't want to be a part of a party that's like, well, uh, I mean, I don't really care about the things I care about. But again, we don't have to. Like, we have talented candidates. Kamala Harris is has flaws, but she's a very talented candidate. Yes. Um. Elizabeth Warren has flaws, but she's a very talented candidate. And fucking brilliant. Yes. Uh, Beto has some problematic areas more so, but he's a talented candidate. Right. Um, we've got some people, y'all. Booker. <laughs> Booker, yeah. We Love forgot him. about Booker. Julian Castro, who nobody wants to pay any attention to, is a very talented candidate. Um, we got people. We don't need Joe Biden. No. And that brings me to the next great white hope that everybody's going crazy about. Uh, the last couple weeks, and that is Pete Buttigieg. Remember when we had Arliss and Will on and we learned how to pronounce his name before anybody else knew how? <laughs> Edge Edge? I don't know if it was before anybody else, but... I mean, we were. I'm just saying we were ahead of the curve. Yeah. That's because Arliss lives in Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, I, I, I have some thoughts on Pete Buttigieg. So do I. Uh, he's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way uh, because he's, he's sending out a lot of the Bernie-style coded white grievance stuff. I'm not seeing that, so I would like. I, I I'm not seeing that. Well, we had something uh, aired the other day from a speech where he said all lives matter. So let me just put it that way. And 
I think directly following that, he said, but until Black Lives Matter, like, I think that this whole thing is a Bernie thing. Like, they're trying to, somebody's, because every time I see one of these things, I'm like, oh, God, of course, right? And then I go look it up, and it's like, oh, nope, they just forgot the last half of that a sentence. A little out of context? Oh, complete, not just out of context, or taking chunks of his sentences and trying to mold him into this Bernie, you know, sort of anti identity politics guy like the thing that you were talking about last week where they were like they're in the same lane he was saying something about um that your presidential candidate doesn't have to look like somebody from uh chicago or indiana or something and everyone was like whoa that's really racially coded and then like literally the end of that sentence like he talked about how um identity matters and how um you know, people from different backgrounds, like the fact that he's LGBT, like that his identity matters and mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the people of color that are running, like their identities matter and their life experience matters. And that's something that we should judge as a party as to like what yeah. benefit and value that might have. Like they're just cutting him off. There's more than that, though. And is okay. it. But you bring up a good point because we have we as we said, Bernie has put together a team of just slash and burn. They they want to burn every other candidate to the ground. That yeah. is that's going to be their strategy. He's going to be as divisive as as one can imagine. And Pete Buttigieg is posing a real threat to him right now because he's a yeah. white guy. It was Beto. It was Beto last week, and this week it's and Pete. And he's super nice, and he's super like um, values driven, kind of in a way that I think is interesting. That. Um, that our party is taking back from the Republicans uh, in some ways, with especially with, I think, watching him talk. Um, he likes to talk about the problems, but then he also likes to talk about, like, what our Democratic Party values are mm-hmm. and how, like, that leads to vision. And he likes to, like, connect those things in a way mm-hmm. that I think is connecting with a lot of those Midwestern voters, mm-hmm. a lot of the nice white folks, even though he's <laughs> gay. Yeah. Um, and... There's also been a lot of talk um, amongst straight people about um, who cares about him. He's still a white man. And well, I think- hold on, hold on. Here's here's the problem, and and I know why they're reacting that way because the media has gotten very excited about him in the past week or so, and it ain't about the things you're talking about. It is because he is a nice, inoffensive, good-looking young white guy. Who doesn't throw bombs quite like Beto does, right? Mm-hmm. And he's very well spoken. So you've seen these things run. Oh, he's the smartest person in the race. Oh, he's the most you know well spoken visionary in the race. Right. And it's like whoa, 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 whoa. No. <laughs> like he literally was uh, Pete's professor. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was literally like his, his professor. professor at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Let, let's slow down and back up a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Just before we get off of him on this point, and then we're going to talk about why this is also bullshit. But I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's important to note, like, he's a gay guy, and he's a white gay guy, so like, and a cis white gay guy at that. Mm-hmm. So like, he's got a lot of privilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the he, gay thing, he checks. He, he checks the one box, right? It's not about checking boxes. It's about his life experience. No, sure. But I'm saying in terms of like the the privilege and lack thereof. Right. 15 years ago, his marriage was illegal. Yeah. Right? Sure. 15 years ago. So when he was like 20, he would not have been able to get married. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, 
things have changed really quickly and things have gotten a lot better for gay people in this country. But I think just taking the fact that he's a queer person off the table as something that doesn't matter or that doesn't make his life experience valuable or something that is unique um, is a folly. Yeah. There is still a massive struggle uh, for gay people as we see every day. Um, And he has lived in the Midwest during that, which is even harder, right, than living in a big city and and being a queer person. And so I think we have to give him some credit on that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I agree that it is uh, way, way sexist and racist to imagine that the mayor of this town in Indiana, who is very smart from all, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Very smart guy. Um, but pretty inexperienced. Uh, is a better candidate or smarter or more qualified than the other candidates that we have who are women of color and people of color. Right? So Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, all of those people have way, 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 way wicked smart people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a shitload of experience and uh, much more qualified to be the president than Pete Buttigieg is, certainly. Yeah, and again, we forget sometimes. Like, we are among a very small group of people nationally and people who are going to vote who are actually even paying attention yet. You know, we're almost two... We're, we're a solid year and... Uh, year and a half out. And people really start paying attention, start paying attention about a year out and then really start paying attention about three to six months out. Yeah. So, you know, anytime there's a poll, it's still just name recognition because they're not watching MSNBC every night. They're not listening to everything the candidates have to say. Now, if they happen to be coming through and they live in Iowa or New Hampshire, mm-hmm. like they might know some more. Yeah. But, you know, if if they live in Milwaukee... I mean, and the, and you're your average person that really doesn't pay attention to politics. They don't know. And they get a poll. They get a call for a poll and they read off a list of names like, oh, well, I've heard of Bernie Sanders and I've heard of Joe Biden. I don't know who Pete Buttigieg is. Right. And Elizabeth Warren, didn't she say, isn't she the Pocahontas candidate? No, I don't like her. And like that's all we got right now. Right. Like for the but most I mean, part. It is people who are like us whose job it is to vet these people. Like, yes. And to pay fair. attention and to... to um, and explain. And explain and to pay attention and to keep track of what happens because it's going to matter. Everything that happens in the primary comes back in the general. And so we have to pay attention and we mm-hmm. have to make sure that there's no like giant horrible red flags or, you know. And we're telling you about the red flags. <laughs> and pick somebody you like, man. Figure out who you like and why you like them, and you don't have to pick them now. No, it's okay with a field this big to, to be formulating to, opinion. To, I, I don't. I'm still formulating yeah, opinion. If the vote was tomorrow, I don't know who I'd pick. I gotta be perfectly honest. I, I go gotta, Booker if the vote was tomorrow. Gun to my head. I may be Warren at this point. I'm not or exactly Warren. sure. I can't really decide. Yeah, but like, I don't know yet. I like really like Castro too. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm warming up a little to Pete. Um, you Beto, I'm less sold on at this point, but uh, Kamala you know, Harris is winning me over a little bit. But yeah. again, she's a prosecutor, so it's hard for me. Yeah, we there's a, so much to shake out, and people are still getting in the race. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. Oh, let me just point this out too, because I actually totally forgot until uh, Colorado Public Radio reminded me. So we live in Denver. Oh and, right, Hickenlooper. <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Like I forgot he was running. Let, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me remind you, we live in Denver. The capital is, is we can see the capital from yeah, the right from angle from where we live. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we talk to people locally all the time about politics and who they like in in 2020. How many people have even mentioned Hickenlooper? No, I forgot he was running. <laughs> no, he was the former governor of our state. We just stopped being the governor in January. We live in Denver, um, and nobody cares about the John Hickenlooper candidacy. No, it's insane that he's actually running. But Michael Bennett announced that a he has cancer, yes. and b he's running. If he can be cancer free by the time he needs to announce, uh, that sucks. He's a fine uh, senator. Uh huh. Um, he's fine. He's fine. He's he's made that impassioned plea on the floor, and everybody yeah. was like, "Whoa!" Lawrence O'Donnell was all impressed. He's he's got some really good stuff. He's got some other problematic stuff. He's sort of your typical Colorado Dem. Um, he's, he's so boring. Yeah, he's he, one of the more boring. Well, so's Hick. That's what plays here. Right? I mean, Hick and Looper. And look, Polis is pretty boring too. Let's say the fact, despite the fact he's a gay guy and he's a self-made tech, you know, uh, millionaire. Like, Polis isn't an exciting guy by any stretch of the imagination. No, he's not. But Michael Bennett well, literally is just, like, white bread. Like, he's just, his voice is really, like, he's just not an exciting guy. He just isn't. Yeah, there's something weird about John Hickenlooper, too. I can't put my yeah, finger on it. Yeah, he might so. be skeezy. I don't know. There's, there's something just unsettling in the I way mean, he Corey talks. I mean, Cory Booker came, and the time I met him was at a fundraiser for Michael Bennett at a rich yeah, person's sure. no. house in Denver. Yeah, yeah. Bennett's not a bad guy. But He's a point, good senator. Like, the point is, like, I was listening the other day, and CPR does this whole thing about Hickenlooper. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's running for president. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I know. There was this uh, national action... Um, God, what is it called? National Action. It's N A N. Uh, non. Anyway, convention, mm-hmm. um, which is a uh, uh, largely people of color run like political movement um, organization. Yeah. Pushes forward a lot of like social progressive. Is it a PAC? Um, no, it's not. It's a it's a national action network. Is what okay. it's called. Okay. They did this convention and they had a bunch of people come talk. And um, I was reading this amazing lady's uh, tweet thread because she was there and I'll have to pull it up so I can cite her specifically. But she was going through what everybody was saying. Um, And it's a lot of of, uh, black and brown people in the room. Mm -hmm. A lot of civil rights leaders. um, uh, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson were doing like the intros. Um, And they had Kamala Harris started it off and everyone loved her. I guess she did really great. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, Hickenlooper was there. <laughs> and you had all these like really great speakers, right? Like AOC came. Um, and then the white dudes in the room <laughs> were trying to speak to this audience. And what she was saying, this black lady who was typing this, was saying that like what she was looking for was part policy, but it's early, like you were saying. But like, the can you, what is your comfort with using the language? The comfort with the culture, the comfort with how to speak to black people. Mm-hmm. And um, Hick, oh God, <laughs> starts off like quoting the like Google search Martin Luther King, uh, like, the first top result. Yeah. And you're, she's like, the, please stop. And then like the big thing that a lot of the white people that were talking did was just like go through a list of all the bad things that have happened to black people in history. And she's like, do you think we don't know this? <laughs> I don't need to sit here and listen to you re-traumatize an entire... We know. We're yeah. very, very clear it, on like, all of these things. I'm glad you know. I assumed you did. Don't tell me. I fucking know. It's like John Hickenlooper turned into an AI algorithm. It's like, 
<laughs> talk about talk about the black things, Martin Luther King, right. and how bad it is. I'm like, that's not what they want to hear. They no. want to hear they were talking about like black capital investment. They were talking about um, and like how how that whole thing works. We're talking about um, like city infrastructure and housing and like all of this like meaty stuff. And then you get these white candidates that are like, slavery was really bad, and MLK had a dream. And you're like, the fuck are you doing here? What are you doing? Well, here? that's also problematic. If you have no for cultural a, a literacy like in this Hicken room. Right? Don't come to this room if you have no cultural literacy. Hickenlooper, this is a very white state. Very low percentage of African Americans. Real. I think. Although it's, Aurora is the fifth most diverse city in the country. Sure, but at the outside of Aurora, then then what? Then Denver is okay, and then yeah, it's pretty. And white. the rest of the state is pretty white. Yeah. So we have a pretty good Latino population. Yes, well. sure, but but in terms of African Americans, not so much. You know, probably the the whitest state in the West, next to Nevada, um, Utah. Yeah, Utah, Oregon, Washington. Yeah. Montana, Wyoming. Am, yeah. Utah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kansas. the West is pretty white yep. until you get to California, and yeah, you know some other parts but anyway um yeah, so, so yeah he Hicks sort of still running like, bombed at this thing but, but everybody else was great she specifically loved um kamala harris that was uh-huh. very very good um booker <clears throat> who was mm-hmm. very like clear about uh reparations and about um yeah, some stuff that like you would never have heard in democratic politics ever before. And then AOC, she said people just had she had them eating out of her hand. She was so good. Oh sure, of course. Now John Leguizamo posted in you know him, the famous actor from Ben mm-hmm, and Everything. Of course. Posted how is this for a dream ticket? Buddha Judge and Harris. And everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why was at the top of the ticket there? is no he with Buddha Judge being at the top. Of the oh no, no no no. And like, why would he the be fuck at the would top? Would he be at the top of the, of ticket? the ticket? And I don't know if he answered or what, but like everyone was like, okay. sure, but re- strike that, reverse it, right? For like, sure. <laughs> why on earth would would the the thirty something year old mayor of uh, South Bend be at remember. the top of the ticket next to the experienced senator, <laughs> like an attorney general of California? Yeah. What? Yeah. So but doesn't know. that sort of go to why would he win at all? Put him up against, like I was saying, any of those women of color or Cory Booker or fucking Hickenlooper even, um, any other candidate except for maybe, no, I think any other candidate. I, I don't know why he would win. Yeah. Other than he's very nice. <laughs> and good looking and gay and well he's 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 good smart he's, he's, he's smart and we have like gosh like every Dude, time if he wins fine i'll be all on board i just he's he's not the best of the field we're so early on in the process like we really don't know this guy we jump on everything every candidate says every misstep and then like in a week everything's on its head anyway but we can talk about the big structural things like joe biden's issue with yeah. women and I hate Bernie Sanders. Period. Bernie's End issue of, of trying to burn down the entire party if he doesn't get the crown, and Kamala Harris being a prosecutor, right? Like we can identify the the big things, um, and and we'll kind of go. Time will tell what they can tell. and can't overcome, and now, some what more, other good things come out. Some more people have jumped in the race or got on people's radar. Um, there's Andrew Yang, 
oh, who yeah. some of the tech people are into. I yeah. guess he's a tech guy. And yeah. then he's his big crusade is that he is against circumcision. No. His big crusade is that robots are going to take over our jobs and we should have a basic uh, hum- basic income requirement. Yeah. Well, I got no problem with that. Yep. So, again, one of the benefits of having this big, diverse field, and hopefully we get a lot of these people on the debate stage, is, you know, I, I hope we get Inslee talking about the importance of climate change. And right. then maybe Yang hopefully can talk about uh, automation because that's a big thing. And Warren can can talk about, you know, the reigning in the big banks and like – Everybody's got their piece, and, and it's up to the one person to sort of bring all those things together. And hopefully we don't burn the building down so hard that whoever wins can go to those people and say, I want your idea about that, and I want your idea about that, and I want your idea about that. Uh-huh. You know? Well, Bernie's going to try yep. to burn everything down. That's, yep. that's like, prove me wrong, Bernie. Like, so far, uh, with the way, like, you said it. You said it a month ago. Oh, no, no. This is all going to be about unity and reconciliation. It's like, okay, that sounds fine. And then he hired the biggest bomb throwers out there, people that literally went out and told people not to vote for Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. you know, once the nomination was given. And it's like, okay, well, I, I guess that's what you're doing. I guess it's scorched earth. But I, I don't want to bitch about Bernie. We did that enough the last couple of weeks. You know, we'll get to him. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> There's no lack of bitching about Bernie no, on this no. podcast. I'm just tired right now. The mayor space. of Miramar, Florida got into the race. And I... What is that about? Where uh, the fuck is Miramar, Florida? Uh, hold on. I used to live in Miramar briefly. Okay. And Johnny Depp's from Miramar. That's that's well, all that I got. Then he's my guy. <laughs> Done. Uh, I don't even remember his name. I haven't lived in Florida for 10 years now. But uh, he's running, and uh, he has one big thing that he announced that I really like, and that is student loan forgiveness. That's his thing. So, great. Get him up on the stage, too. And Elizabeth Warren has been talking about that as well, though. Sure. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren Uh, also just announced she wants to get get rid of the filibuster. Yeah. So... We can talk about that. Uh, so Bennett, I guess, is in, and this well, guy—he's not from... in until he's cleared of cancer. Is that what he said? Yeah, I thought he was in anyway. No, nope. okay, not until he's cleared of cancer. All right, so two boring white guys from Colorado are running for president. Like, Ugh. who else? <laughs> I think that's oh, um, that Schultz guy. Oh, Starbucks God. guy. Yeah, he's still out there saying stupid saying shit. Such stupid. What was it this week? I can't even remember. It was just like, okay, who's? Oh, that guy. Right. Okay. Well, Ali Velshi called him out on income inequality, and he like didn't know how to answer the question, and he just bitched about how there's gridlock between Republicans and Democrats, and he's just, he's an idiot. He sucks. He has no charisma. He's an idiot, and he's he's running. Why a does he want to be president? So to keep his taxes from going up, like I really don't have any other answer to that. He owns Starbucks. Like, what do you need, man? I don't know, and 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 I don't know why he keeps why he keeps hanging around, and I don't know why he keeps getting coverage. Uh, I think the media is really hungry for a third party candidate because that's a fun story. And then and, Bloomberg is not. Uh, Bloomberg is not, but they keep floating these things. Oh, he's thinking about it, and it's like, come on, just no. I don't think he's going to no. In any event, um, it's like, do they just have too much money? <laughs> too much money, too much ego. Yeah. And they're like, I'll just waste, I don't know, a couple tens of millions of dollars on a very, very bad idea. <laughs> Pretty much. It will publicly humiliate me. Well, at least Ross Perot got like 10% of the vote. Oh, my parents loved him. Yeah. Until he kept dropping out and coming yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, And they yeah. were like, nah, he doesn't want it. Couldn't enough. make up his mind. My mom voted for Clinton. My dad voted for Bush. Well, there you go. Yep. Perfect. They, they wanted Perot, and they wanted voting for Clinton Bush. Yep. All right. Okay, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about something. I don't know. Yeah. Stay tuned. 
Hello, and welcome back to Irreverent Testimony. Um, find anything interesting during the break, Rachel? Yes. Oh, good. So now we have something to talk about. <laughs> we have lots of things to talk about, but this is a story that um, has been happening for the last like two weeks that I keep hearing like little rumblings about, but hasn't been covered for reasons that I, I think will become really clear, but also are really upsetting. Um, three black churches have been burned yeah. in 10 days yeah, in uh, Louisiana Parish. Mm-hmm. Uh, this article was just posted yesterday um, from the New York Times. The first fire was set March 26th. I'm just going to read a bit from it. Um, three historically black churches have burned in less than two weeks in one South Louisiana parish where officials said they had found quote, suspicious elements in each case. Mm -hmm. The officials have not ruled out the possibility of arson or the possibility that the fires are related. Imagine that. Quote, there's clearly something happening in this community, State Fire Marshal H. Browning said in a statement on Thursday. That is why it is imperative that the citizens of this community be a part of our effort to figure out what it is. The three fires occurred on March 26th, Tuesday and Thursday in St. Landry Parish, north of Lafayette. A fourth fire, a small blaze that officials said was intentionally set, was reported on Sunday at a predominantly black church in Cado Parish. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. About three-hour drive from uh, north. Quote, but just as we haven't connected the three in St. Landry, we haven't connected the one in Caddo, said Ashley Rodrigue, a spokeswoman for the Louisiana Office of the State Marshal on Friday. Local officials said that they were still investigating the fires and they did not know if they knew of any suspects, did not say if they knew of any suspects, a motive, or whether racism was an element. <laughs> I don't know how you say that out loud. Mm-hmm. There's certainly a commonality, and whether that leads to a person or persons or groups, we just don't know. The FBI and Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives are involved in the investigation, said Jeff Nowaskowski a spokesman for the ATF's New Orleans Field Division. Mm-hmm. The Reverend Gerald Toussaint, pastor at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Opula, oh God, Opulasas, Louisiana, was driving to work on Thursday morning at around 4.45 a.m. when his wife called him to say that she had seen on social media that their church was ablaze. <sighs> Mr. Toussaint was aware of the two other fires that had been set at nearby houses of worship, St. Mary Baptist Church in Port Bar and Greater Union Baptist Church in Opulasas. He rushed to the scene. The church, which was founded in the 19th century, has undergone extensive remodeling uh, just two years ago. Now it is nearly gone, except for a brick wall and corridor in the front. I'm trying to find out who did it, why they did it. Did it have anything to do with me, said Mr. Toussaint, who drives a truck for a living. I don't know any of this. He also said he did not want to speculate for fear of angering potential arsonists or prompting copycat crimes. St. Landers Perry is a rural area studded with crawfish ponds and bayous in the heart of the Cajun and Creole country. It is 56% white and 41% black. Mr. Toussaint said that relations were generally good between black and white residents. Since the 1950s, black churches across the South have been targets of numerous racist attacks, from arson to bombing to armed assault. In 2015, a white supremacist shot and killed nine people in a Bible study at African American Church in Charleston, South Carolina. In 2006, a string of arsons at Alabama churches, some predominantly white, some predominantly black, proved to be the work of three college students that officials characterized as a joke that had spun out of control. (laughs) Ha ha. Last month, a black member of a predominantly black congregation, Hopewell Ministry Baptist Church in Greenville, Mississippi, pled guilty to burning his church. 
The church was spray-painted with the words, Vote Trump, in an effort to make the attack seem politically motivated, a Mississippi official said. Okay. At the news conference Thursday, Sheriff Bobby Goudreau of St. Landry Parish said that law enforcement officials would do whatever it takes to protect churches and churchgoers. I would like to talk about this article, and I would also like to talk about all of the sort of subtle assertions that it's making without making them. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where was the article in? <laughs> New York Times. The Times, okay. Written by Richard Fossette. Fossey. Depends on how you pronounce it in Louisiana. Um, okay. So, when three historically black churches are burned in one parish within two weeks, I would say that there's very ample likelihood that those things are related. Sure, yeah. And that it's probably race-related. Yes, I mean, that, that's obvious. Now, without the evidence, and this is very much New York Times style, you know, they, they have to speculate that they, they don't have the evidence. Right, they're listening proves. to cops. Right. We haven't connected the three. We haven't connected this one. We don't know. We mm-hmm. don't know. We don't yeah. know. Now, y'all know I don't like cops. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. okay, they can't tell you what they know. That's fine. I don't appreciate the New York Times asserting in this way that, like, because the cops can't tell you, then there's just maybe no connection between them. Um, Secondarily, I think the thing that bothers me the most about this article is the tying of these two things together, these two paragraphs. In 2006, a string of arsons at Alabama churches, some predominantly white, some predominantly black, proved to be the work of three college students that officials characterize as a joke that had spun out of control. That is one entire paragraph. So we are characterizing a string of arsons in 2006 mm-hmm. at Alabama churches. Mm-hmm. And we are not investigating that further. We are just saying it was a joke that got out of control. Which is fucking bullshit. It's a bullshit way to say about it in the New York Times. It's a bullshit statement to make. Um, because the cops were like, it's a joke. They didn't mean it. They were, some of them were white, right? <laughs> then, the very yeah. next paragraph. Last month, a black member of a predominantly black congregation burned his own church. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he might have done that? Given everything that was in this article prior, all of these black churches being burned and no one doing anything and saying mm-hmm. it was college kids getting out of hand and we don't know anything and we haven't found any suspects mm-hmm. and maybe it wasn't arson and maybe it wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this pastor should have burned his own church. I'm saying that sometimes people get so fucking outraged and and so desperate that you do something that's like, look, this is what's happening in my community. Yeah, this Can is... Can I stage it so that it's so obvious we can't deny it anymore? Yeah, that this is the argument that goes into why when people of color in communities get so upset, do they loot their own neighborhood? Why do they riot? Right, yeah. Right? Because you can't hear me. You don't... No one is listening. Yeah. It's a joke by some college kids? You burned my fucking church down. You burned seven other churches down and no one's done anything and no one cares. Can I do a thing that makes everybody go see what's happening in my community? Mm-hmm. Is it right? No. Do I get it? Yeah. But the way that this fucking Times article is written, it's like all of these unrelated things are happening to all of these black churches. Mm. But then this black guy did this thing. Isn't it terrible? Mm. Anyway, we don't really know. Love the New York Times. <laughs> There's no, like... That's very New York Times. There's no, like... I don't know. 
in depth. What is, what are the police doing? What are what 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 are the failures? Two thousand six was thirteen years ago. Yeah. What are the failures of that investigation? What happened with that investigation? How many fires were there? What were the like nothing? Yeah, that's a garbage article. It's just article. well, they were jokes, and that, this guy did a bad thing, and he's black, so probably it's fine. That, this other black guy said generally the relations are good, although three churches have burned in two weeks. That is a garbage article. But. Come to expect that. There's still some very good work that comes from the New York Times, but a lot of it is just hot garbage. It just is. That's why I do not patronize them anymore. I stick to the Washington Post. And the Washington Post is far from perfect, but they are a far superior news outlet. Do you have anything else to say about that particular article? Well, I wanted to relate some similar stories. Okay. Um, Representative Omar, who we know has been a lightning rod. Yes. Elon Uh, Omar. Elon Omar. Somebody. Minnesota, right? Yes. Somebody called her office and talked to one of her staffers. Right. And said, how can you work for this terrorist? I want to put a bullet in her head. And the staffer was... specifically mentioned a sniper, right? No. They just said, I want to put a bullet in her head. Okay. And the staffer very calmly said, oh, and what is your name? And the genius on the other line gave his full name and spelled it out. And left his phone number for correspondence, I guess. Uh, So then the staffer uh, called the FBI... And said, here's this guy who just made a threat. Uh, we have it on tape because I think they record all the calls. They should. If I were her, I would. And the FBI calls this guy. And they're like, so did you just call Repres- Representative Omar and make a death threat against a sitting member of Congress? And the guy said, no, no, no. They misunderstood. What I said was if the founding, the founding fathers, they would want to put a bullet in her head. That's what I said, as if that's not a threat or better, right? And then the FBI was like, "Mm, yeah, you know, those calls are taped. And if you're lying to us, that's also a crime. (laughs) And so genius guy came clean and now he's in trouble. So, or he said, he said, well, I actually don't remember exactly what I said, which Mm. he's in in trouble. So there's that. He got charged. He got, he got charged. So, but it's just another example of. The how these people are emboldened to, to do these things in this day and age, right? And how Fox News or right wing radio whips these people up into a frenzy. Uh, and you can't tell me that this guy is this guy is very upset about supposed um, anti Semitism. I don't I don't think that's what this guy right. was upset about. That this guy is a Jew living in her district in Minnesota and was so upset by the things that she said about APAC. That he decided to call her office and threaten her. No, he's this guy he lives from in New York. fucking right. Yeah, right. He's from up somewhere upstate, I think, or somewhere near. And probably city. just some like white dude who watches Fox News. Yeah, yeah. And thinks that she is the end of the world. Right. So he'll, he was probably planning to call AOC next until he got the call from the FBI. In any event, burning black churches is not that different. No, and I and I have another story, a personal story to share now. Um. So I'm in a band, yes. and um, we play locally quite a bit, and you know we're fairly well known. I'm not going to say we're famous or big shots or anything, but we've been around for a couple of years now, and we have a show coming up with another fairly well known punk band. I'm not going to name names, um, and it came to our attention that uh, from the promoter that one of these bands that, uh, and I'm going to give you an update. I don't think I've even told you about yet. Okay. Uh, one of these bands 
we got this very vague message last night that one of these bands has ties to local neo-Nazis and that it's a bad idea for them to, to play the show and we should take them off the bill. So I two things immediately came to mind. We were out to dinner when all this yeah. kind of broke. We were eating Ethiopian food and my, it was lovely. My head was spinning. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we are we liberal enough for you, folks? <laughs> it was really city good dwellers though. going out for Ethiopian and getting a message about neo Nazis. Anyway, so we get this message, but it's vague, right? It's like they this one member of the band has ties to some neo Nazis. You take them off the bill. So I immediately two things came to mind. I said to all my other bandmates, "Well, if this is true, we're obviously we're Fuck not gonna, no. we're not going to play a show with those people." No. Um, but secondly. Um, there's a couple, they're very problematic just going off of that vague sentence. Problem number one, um, we need to somehow verify it because, yeah. you know, this is, this is just secondhand from somebody who's in the scene. You guys have people. never played with this band before. We, we don't, don't know, know them know personally. Them yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just this accusation. So you and, don't even know like what their crowd looks like. Right. And looking mm-hmm. at their Facebook, there's nothing obvious or even sure. subtle that would there's necessarily no suggest any of that right. at all. So it's right. like, mm, Okay. Of course, a, a group that is playing in the Denver metro area would not make that obvious. They'd be so ostracized and, you know, they'd well, never be able to play that, anywhere. That's that's actually not entirely true, um, given recent history. We're working on making that better, but that's not true necessarily. Eh, well, maybe maybe not, but if they're playing, it's... <laughs> If they were only playing like one or two places that were notorious for that, I would say yes. But this yeah. is a band that kind of plays everywhere like us. Right. Right. So I think that would be hard to get away with. Um, anyway, so two things. I said we need to get more information and research and find out, A, if it's true. And B, we need to be careful how we handle this. Because mm-hmm. if we say, you're a bunch of fucking Nazis and we're kicking you off the bill, they may show up and cause trouble at our show. Yes. And then, like, okay, now we have to call our people, and we have people we can call, and it could become a thing. And and I don't, I don't necessarily look for these types of conflicts. If there's a march on my street, yes, I will, you right. know, come out and right. put put my body on the line potentially. But if I'm just trying to play a rock and roll show for our fans, like, I, I don't necessarily want to have to have a brawl and be swinging my bass like swing, Sid Vicious. Like, right. It's not what I want to do. Right. I don't either. And like, I, I will if I have to, my but only I don't thing, want to. My only thing when we were talking about this at dinner was, I don't want you to do that either. And um, if it's true that this band, like, has a bunch of, are neo-Nazis or have a bunch of Nazi followers or whatever, I do think that you have um, some kind of, like, community... Uh, responsibility yes. to let other people know like this is who these people are and don't put them on the bill with you yeah. and to sort of blacklist them from the scene because I don't <clears throat> I we know a lot of local bands and none of them would want these kind of people in the group and no, nor especially that sort of neo-Nazi crowd to come out and so I want to talk about that after you're done telling the story. Sure. Well, to, to give an update, fortunately, because it seemed like as of last night and early this morning, we were going to have to handle this somehow. Like, this is what happened. Like, just to give you a little more background, there's this band from out of town coming from Arizona. There's this rockabilly band. And what you do when you're an unsigned band and you're going to a town is you basically, you find a venue, and then if they're willing to book you, if you don't know bands already in that town, you look on Facebook and you find some local bands that you think would be a good fit. 
Right, and, you listen to their music, yeah, and you look and at they, their fan base, yeah, and you're like, and you hey, say, you want to come play with us. Yeah, this yeah. would be a good draw. We would be a good fit. Come out and play with us. Happens all the time. We get hit up all the time from right. bands coming into town. Absolutely. And we love playing with bands from out of town to help yeah. promote them and whatever. So the same thing. And and we said, yeah, great. And they're like, do you know any other bands? And like the couple bands we know couldn't do it on that day. And like, no, sorry, you guys are going to have to find another one. And they did. They found another punk band. Um, turns out this punk band supposedly now has this reputation Right. They didn't know from obviously. this one. Right. Yeah. So nobody who involved booking them knew this. No. And then no. somebody who knew something maybe came forward and was like, hey, by the way. Yeah. Hey, by the way. Okay. So the, fortunately, the promoter at the venue handled it and sent out an email basically to and CC'd the other bands, but basically said to this band, look, it has come to my attention that you have been associated and been playing shows with this other band who is mm. definitely associated with mm. white supremacists and neo-Nazis. So you have to A, explain yourself, B, disavow them completely, and C, let us know that none of those people are going to be here for the show because our venue does not cater to those people whatsoever and you cannot, if you have any association with them, you cannot play in our venue. I'm not going to give the name of the venue. Good for them. Yeah. but If we get their permission later, we totally will. Yeah. Because that's a... Good for them. Yeah, no, and that's what every venue in in town is doing basically right now. Um, there's this other venue that was getting a reputation. You you pointed this out to me. It's a venue we haven't played yet, and I don't know if we will or not. But that was well, hold, hold on. There's yeah. there a venue in town that was getting a bad reputation for having too many of those people show up and cause trouble. And well, every fucking show they were playing was like punk bands. Yeah. that drew a large neo-Nazi crowd. Yeah. That was what that particular venue was known for. And now it's under new ownership and they said no way. And it's sort of tied to like a house full of neo-Nazis that was kind of in our neighborhood and nearby the venue that that was happening. Um, at. Uh, well, but this that's was what like I'm going to talk about after you're done. A couple years ago or something. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so much of it is vague and not definitive. And that's the problem. Like we know there are neo-Nazis around and we know they show up to punk shows in town and, and other places. Like there's no question about that. I've seen it in action. Um, but like to track their, they're, they're sly. They know to sort of keep it on the DL unless they're idiots. Well, I, I think that's, so, uh, okay. So that band, is there any update after that email was sent out? No, we're waiting for their response. That was okay. literally a few hours ago. So, okay, here's what I'm going to say about this. And this is like some inside baseball, but not really, which is just about like anybody who grew up in any of like any punk scene. Any goth scene, any rockabilly scene, any Turbo Yugen scene, any of the sort of like um, anti-establishment, anti-authoritarian um, music scene from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, most of us are just really lovely, well-meaning, a little bit anarchist because the state is as we've talked about on this podcast problem, um, right? But just sort of like the punk movement and a lot of these movements um, are about bringing people together and about sort of um, making sure that the state and the oppressors don't oppress the least among us, right? And that like a lot of them are anti-war and there's a lot of like really good things that came out of like the punk scene and a lot of those scenes. And unfortunately, what happened in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s was that um, some neo-Nazis found their way to this hard rock, punk, heavy, violent, mosh pit kind of scene mm-hmm. um, and sullied it. Well, and can I, can I, can I back, up, good... back up a little bit? Because okay. there's always been the blunt 
out in front Nazi punk metal bands. Absolutely. In that scene. Right. You like the, that has always kind of been I, there. I would say that those bands looked at the punk bands and said, we're going to do that and be Nazis about it. Right. Right. Like they didn't like punk, like Nazis did not invent punk music. Let's just be really clear about no, that. No, but th- this, this feud, this issue goes back decades. It does. I mean, Dead Kennedy's Nazi punks fuck off Absolutely. is from the seventies. Right. I mean, it goes back, it does. It goes back from the very origin. They've of been like trying to in, infiltrate yes. that scene yes. forever. Yes. And in, and in some cases, they were really successful. And there are multiple essays that you can read from, like, Henry Rollins and members yes. of, of the Dead Kennedy from Fighting all, all these of people them in the parking lot. About, yeah. like, how do we fight them and what happened and, like, these brawls and, like, what did security do and, like, their efforts to fight against these fucking Nazis coming in and trying to co opt and culturally misappropriate, right, their music. Yeah. Um, but again, in the age of Pepe the Frog and Trump and, you know. Right. Richard Spencer, like they're, they've like it went away a for a while, back. and mm-hmm. then now it's coming back. Or it was way underground, way Let's underground, and they way. didn't come to like mainstream shows no, or like no. local shows that they weren't really sure they were guaranteed or, or, a passage. Or venues where they didn't right. know. No, was no, no, no. It was space. absolutely like house parties and like underground spaces. Like yes. we we moved, we fucking pushed the Nazis out of the public view for decades, mm-hmm. and now they're fucking back. Yeah, and. And that's why it's up that's to promoters that and bands a, to be vigilant. It's also a reckoning for our music community and people who listen to the kind of music that we listen to and people who, you know, are part of those communities. It's a reckoning for you, too, to look within your community and root out those people who say some things sometimes that are, you know, you get drunk at a Fourth of July party and somebody says the N word or somebody has some problematic lyrics in a song or they like just every time they fight with the black guy, like this is stuff that I've seen happen. Sure. Yeah. And like, it's like, well, yeah, but it's Paul. And it's like, I don't give a fuck if it's Paul. Or I just mind my own business and it's fine. Right. And I just, I'm here to play music. Yeah. Here to listen to music. Like, fuck that. It is your job. If you are a part of that community or know people who are part of that community, like, especially if you go to listen to live music and know those bands, like it is absolutely your job to call those people out to the carpet and be like, these people are your fucking supporters mm-hmm. and they're Nazis. You, it's your job to fucking do that. It's your job to tell them and it's their job to root those people the fuck out and make them feel very unwelcome and drive them back into the holes in the ground where they were for the last two decades. Yeah. Period. And since we have social media, to expose them and hopefully get them like fired and all kinds of other things. But we'll save that for later. Anyway, in the meantime, um, if you're a fan of that kind of music, which I, most people that probably, listen, well, maybe that's not true. <laughs> Lots of people that I know are. Um, just like be vigilant in your communities about this. And that's to everybody, right? Not just like punk and goth kids. That's mm-hmm. every community you live in. That's your workplace. That's, you know, everywhere that you go. Yeah. Listen for those dog whistles. And when you hear them, like, you know, ours might be more blatant you might not have to deal with actual nazis trying to beat your heads in with a bat in a parking lot at three o'clock in the morning yeah but uh well again i don't know anything about this band we're supposed to play with i don't know what their affiliations are i I, a plausible explanation might be they have played a few gigs with this other band that does draw that crowd and they're young guys and they either just don't care or let it go or you know said whatever and uh well Well, i think that might be right for a conversation with that band uh, we'll see. We'll, like, we don't even that. know if we're still going to play with them at this point. Um, we don't know what the deal is, but it, it appears they have been playing some shows with a band that definitely is problematic. Okay. And, you know, we'll see. Um, 
like, Obviously, my band does that, not like, does not draw that crowd. No, and we wouldn't tolerate it. And it seems very unlikely this band from Arizona draws that kind of crowd. Um, and they were just as horrified as you were. Um, I I don't know what their reaction was. It was probably to go to the promoter and say, "You fix this. We're not even from the city. Like, there's nothing we don't we can even do. from here. Yeah. I have no idea what your scene looks like. How yeah. would I know that? Yeah." yeah. So that that's right. my guess. Again, this is all sort of coming together in the last few hours, but it was pertinent given the conversation right now that yeah. I kind of wanted to say, hey, look, here's a little personal slice of what's happening. Uh, we got about 16 or 17 minutes left. I wanted to get to one thing other. Did you have something else, though, you wanted to? I wanted to give an update about Chelsea Manning. Yeah, go ahead. Um, she's out of solitary confinement. Good. Um, her legal team has filed her Fourth Circuit appeal. Um, we're awaiting that post that Fourth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals appeal. It's a lot of appeal. Um, they released her from solitary confinement, which is great. Um, and now there's just an ongoing sort of motions and hearings and things that are happening. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing and, and is really important. And of course, does not excuse in any way um, the fact that she's still incarcerated, having not been convicted of any crime. Okay, good. Uh, I want to talk about the anti-vaxxer movement real quick. Oh, God, real quick? Uh, <laughs> as quick as I can. Okay. So you know how I feel about this, right? Everyone does. Um, and, you know, this is getting more and more problematic. And there was a there was an article just to how Polis kind of backed down a little bit. Polis, uh, there was a, a... Jared Polis is the current governor of Colorado. Yes, there was a bill introduced to get much more aggressive because uh, Colorado has one of the lowest vaccination rates. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, and is that true? Yeah, it is. It is. It was either the lowest or one of the lowest in the country. And there's there's various reasons for it. Mm. But um, there was a very aggressive bill that came up to basically try to stamp it out or make it much tougher to get exemptions. And Polis got some heat from some constituents and kind of backed off. And, and now they're trying to work out a compromise. They're addressing it, but it's not ag- as aggressive as I would have liked. Well, do you want to know why? Um, do you have some insight? I do. Okay. Um, Polis, one of the things that progressive people have largely criticized him about is education. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big fan of charter schools. Mm-hmm. He comes from a lot of money and he comes from Boulder. And mm-hmm. so... Him being the governor of a state where a city like Denver exists and Aurora exists, um, he's, I think, hopefully learning the difference between incredibly wealthy families who would like to have charter schools versus really good private schools and maybe anti-vaccinations because they're stupid, but they're like really isolated to living in the middle of like two huge urban densely populated areas that are Mm -hmm. heavily unfunded and why charter schools might not be a good idea in defunding of public education. And additionally, why like anti-vaccinations is not really a thing that we can compromise on. Yeah. And so those are two of the things that like, I think, were the biggest things that were hard for me to support him. Okay. <clears throat> but go ahead. Well, I, I had a conversation the other day with I wouldn't someone who I wouldn't say is a full-on anti-vaxxer, but is well suspicious of, of vaccinations. Mm. Uh, and we had a conversation, and, and my point was, without trying to get too angry, <laughs> uh, was that when you, when you look at the supposed issues with vaccinations and talking about how the 
pharmaceutical, it's a racket from the pharmaceutical companies and there's these dangerous chemicals and, and maybe you know, measles isn't so bad. And, and when you look at it from the lens of actual hard science and using the scientific method to address it, it none of it holds up. Right. But, and here's the thing, and this is, this is not going to sound quite like me, but I think we need a different approach when we're trying to educate people about vaccines rather than just saying, you're stupid, shut up. Yeah. Go away. And I want to. Yeah. Completely. Because you have to understand how people process information. And I've worked in science and I studied science and I have a master's in public health and in research methods. And everything I, I did as a career up until very recently was very much steeped in the scientific method. I lived it and ate it and breathed it. Mm-hmm. And even before that, I, I understood it and that was sort of my worldview. But that's not everybody's worldview. Right. And think if that's not your worldview, we forget sometimes about the power of like personal anecdotes. Right. Let's 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 give a hypothetical for a minute and and say that you were the kind of person not necessarily steeped in science in the scientific method, but you know, you took your science in high school, or maybe one course in college and then you went on to to be an accountant or whatever, you you know, were still a legal secretary, but you weren't you, you were one of your old uh, colleagues, let's say. Mhm. And but you happen to become very good friends with your neighbor Kathy, and Kathy tells you about how her kid uh, had a vaccine and got really, really sick from it and almost died. Mm-hmm. Right, their their kid got really sick and almost died, and how and like you're good friends with her, and that's a that's a powerful, moving story, and it affects you. And then on the other side, I can say, well, no, 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 don't listen to that because look at all this peer-reviewed science right. to read. Right, like. You're not going to process that information the same way. No. And it's unfair to expect you to. Now, I don't necessarily know the answer. I would love to educate everybody because this was part of the argument we had was that, well, you you put so much – this person I talked to said, well, you put so much faith in science. And I'm like, but no, the, see, the science is the antithesis of faith. Faith. It is, it is a method. It is, it is a method of coming up with a hypothesis – and then testing enough to prove it. Oh, baby, though, that's never going to help that person understand what you're trying to say. I, I, I know, but I'm trying to break it down into its basic elements of... But that's not the way you combat that argument. You say, like, look, what happened to Kathy's kid is tragic. And, like, I'm so sorry for her kid. And I don't know that it was caused by vaccines, but if it was, like, that is so incredibly rare that, like, the chances of it happening to your kid also are, like, one in a trillion, right? Right, and right. The chances of your kid dying from a disease that could be prevented or your kid spreading a disease to seven of their classmates who also aren't vaccinated and then all these kids die. Like and then you bring the science in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, ma- I made all those points. <clears throat> I absolutely said all that. And um, but ultimately it's it's what I'm trying to say is it's hard for me having worked in science and having been a master's in public health with a concentration in health promotion and disease prevention. Like this is what I lived. Yeah. And I'm not an epidemiologist. I actually worked mostly in addiction research, but I, I have a keen understanding and knowledge of, of pathogens and germ theory and how extraordinarily dangerous it is to break herd immunity. Yes. But these are all buzzwords, scientific buzzwords that, you know, um, if you're not steeped in it and that's not your worldview, it's not going to necessarily sink in. And that doesn't mean you're dumb because you can be a very, very otherwise intelligent person and not see it the same way. 
especially if your world experience and your personal experience differs and doesn't match up with that. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we bridge that gap? And I'm figuring it out on the fly. I mean, I, I think that's lovely. And I think that's, um, I'm an expert at this, right? What you know is wrong. And telling you that it's wrong is not going to make you understand that it's right. Mm-hmm. And so how do I find a way to talk to you in a way that can make you that I can relate to you and that you can also hear things and it's a slow process Mm -hmm. and it is an understanding and it is a a giving and taking. You don't ever give the facts, but you like give and take, right? Anecdotes and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's that way with everything. Okay. It's that way with climate science. It's that way with what does abortion actually look like and are there late term abortions? It's that way with are gay people, did they choose it? And did, did gay men cause AIDS by fucking monkeys? Right. Um, like, when someone has a fundamentally unscientific belief in something that they're scared of, ridding them of that belief is really fucking hard. Yes. And it, it seem it's frustrating because it's so obvious to you, but mm-hmm. it's really hard because that doesn't matter. What matters is the fear. Yeah. And the fear is what you have to get through and also try to understand. Yeah. And that is the work of like actually trying to like talk to people on the other side of things instead of yelling at them. And, they, and there was and, a and study I'm, that I'm was done. I'm admitting it's hard for me. I know, especially with something like this. I mean, imagine me, like my dad would tell me when I was a kid, like gay men fuck monkeys and caused AIDS. Yeah. And I was like, And this I don't is your know. father. It's not some asshole in a bar you can no. just walk away from. And I didn't know that I was gay then, but like I kind of did. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about me, but he was talking about like, you know, people like you. Right. And so I would like cry and throw things and yell. Right. <laughs> like, and we would fight for years, but like now he's like, you know, mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. Loves me. Loves my partners. Like he's the best, but it takes a long time. And especially for something like this, especially because you feel so passionately about it mm-hmm. because it is science mm-hmm. and it is vaccination. It is herd immunity. It's public health mm-hmm. yeah. at its core. And they're just wrong. And you know they're wrong. And you can't just be like, you're wrong! Because this doesn't work, right? You have yeah. to like... No, because then we're just yelling past each other. It's just nuance. It's, it's a lot of work and it sucks. And it, it's hard. And if you can do it, though, a study came out recently that said, mm-hmm. like by a bunch of doctors, I think, right? That was like, if you talk to your patients for more than like 20 hours or something, then you can get them to vaccinate their children about 80% of the time. Well, that's tough, right? I mean... How much doctor it, has 20 hours per patient to talk to? Right, ask, ask Greg, Who? right? Like, Who? yeah, yeah, they see how many patients a day and you're lucky to get 10 minutes with minutes. them. And yeah. You're going to do 15 minutes over, what, 10 years? And then they'll eventually vaccinate their kids? No. <laughs> yeah. Takes a lot problem. more than that. Anyway, I guess my larger point is I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about that and then apply it to a much broader political sense, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're yelling at, I don't necessarily even want to say Trump supporters because we're going to have this on our own primary. Yes. Or just people who just don't get it in one way or another. And, yes. And, and, and I know it's trite when, when people like, you know, uh, Chuck Todd or Howard Schultz say, well, we're just yelling past each other, but they don't actually have any firm belief system. Or right. They just like to what say both sides. What are you yelling sides. past about? Right. You don't have any beliefs. And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, like, we have to win. <laughs> like, we do. But in the meantime, can people be reached? And, and I've always been... I think so. And you've, you and I have always disagreed about this a little bit. Yeah, and I'm still not sure where I stand on it. 
I think they can. I don't think I'm ever going to make my dad into like a person who loves Nancy Pelosi right. and like thinks Hillary Clinton would have been a better president than Donald Trump. Or is going to come to pride with you. Oh, I don't know. He might do that. No, probably not. But <laughs> right. if I like really asked him and it was like really important to me, he might, he might yeah. consider it. Yeah. And like after five years he might go, but that's not the point, right? I don't right. need him to do that. Right. Um, but I have, I, we have come around to like, you know, he and I, I understand where he's coming from in a way that mm-hmm. makes me understand why he believes the things he believes. And I think he understands the way I believe why I believe. Right. And, and if you can get there, then at least the other person is not a monster, right? They're not like some like creature from the black lagoon that came up to ruin your life. It's Mm -hmm. just like, there are certain things that we are going to be able to come closer on. And there are certain things that we are never going to agree about, but that, but if you can fundamentally get to like past yelling you're wrong and you hate me and you want to ruin the country and you're not American and you don't love anybody, you can get past that and just like stop doing that and just try to like listen and not like, I think it's possible to like inch a little. And I'm talking about me and my dad who are two of like, we're not centrists that are coming together, right? No, we're you're not coming centrists coming together. We very are very different ends. The, of the spectrum. absolute opposite ends of the spectrum. Who can agree on quite a few things? Yeah, like hatred of the FBI, for example. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, and my dad also from quite a bit of the right. Not maybe as far as your your dad, but we kind of gave up on trying to meet eye to eye, and it, instead of what we could just agree sucked. Right. <laughs> so right. like, right. yeah. Um, right. I mean, I think my dad and I just have eternal optimism that we have so much love for each other that the other one will eventually find their way to the truth, which we both know is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's hope there for sure. Yeah. If you can find a way to like hear what they're saying without getting mad, which is not easy by the way. And sometimes I still get mad. And have to leave. Well, it's really hard in the age of Trump because you and I, it's very difficult to see past the baby jails and the white supremacy right. Right. and the madness. And we didn't even get yes. into all the crazy shit Trump said and did this week. Right. You know. Right. But like, it's hard for us to get past that. To well, I am a a, a person who feels left out in the age of automa- automation and manufacturing decline. Right. And there was this message right. that resonated with me because it felt like somebody actually cared and listened to me. Um, Right. So what you don't do is try to get like, I don't know, that's not true. I do try to get into some of that, but you don't call it white supremacy and you don't call it any of those things. You call it what they call it. Understanding for yourself what it is and then try to like unravel it. It's that's really fucking hard. It to is do. And I don't really even know fucking if, hard. I don't even know if that's the right thing to do. I, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know either, but it's the only thing I know to do. And it's moved the needle quite a good ways in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what's tough. And especially when we talk about the primary, I think that people like Mayor Peter trying to thread that needle. Um, I, I, I think he is. And sometimes it ruffles me the wrong way. And, yeah. and, and maybe at the end is of the day, he trying to right. be a Jimmy Carter. Is what I wonder. No, 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 no. A one-term palate cleanser, and then <laughs> Jimmy Carter didn't want to serve only one term. I know, but that was his purpose. Well, ultimately, yeah. Jimmy Carter was. Jimmy Carter made his legend by all the years of not being president. Right. 
Yeah. But he also like kind of saved the day at a point where we were all in a little bit of crisis. We needed a nice peanut farmer from Georgia to come be like, uh, or, oh or he set the stage for Reaganomics. Also that. Other way of looking at it. Anyway, also that. we're out of time. Uh, we touched on a lot of stuff <laughs> without getting too much into the, we didn't talk about any Bill Barr stuff or... Or, I mean, have you list, Have you looked at the internet? So yeah, have, look looked, at the internet and get, get caught, caught up in all that. Come and I have us. more coherent thoughts to say. We'll do it, but right now I don't. Okay, so stay active, stay tuned, stay involved at Irreverent Duo at Twitter, Irreverent Testimony at gmail.com. We will talk to you next week.